Welcome to Crazy Little Thing Called Marriage. I'm Greg. And I'm Erin. We've been married for 31 years. We're marriage counselors and we lead the marriage team here at Focus on the Family. Today we're talking about intimacy, both physical and spiritual. And I think a lot of people forget that it needs to be both. It does. And I, and there's really a constant need to figure out what that looks like as we go in and out of different seasons and as things change. You know, I remember hearing when COVID hit, uh-huh. you know, there, there, we quickly realized that sort of in that season before COVID, a lot of our intimacy came from when we would travel and do marriage events and we would be in a new place and we'd be staying at a hotel, just the two of us. And mm-hmm. we got to minister together and we'd go out and have fun date nights after mm-hmm. the event and go to fun restaurants. And, and it seemed like then when we were home, mm-hmm. it, we felt more of a freedom to really invest in our kids or friends or do other things, knowing that, hey, in a couple of weeks, we're going to be in you know uh-huh. whatever city on this grand adventure. So when COVID hit, and all that shut down and we weren't traveling, we realized pretty quick that, oh, we got to figure out a new way to experience intimacy. When we minister together to marriages, when we do an event or we sit with a couple and counsel, there's something so intimate about that. And I would say that it really is an emotional or a spiritual intimacy that we experience. And quickly when COVID hit, when we were just home and we're cooking meals and doing laundry for all of our adult children, and we soon learned that we had to rediscover how do we build connection in the everyday or the routine. Yeah, and that's really what we want to focus on today is it, it, certainly we're going to talk about developing intimacy, but really reminding us that as seasons change, as we go move in and out of whatever change, mm-hmm. that we've got to rediscover mm-hmm. the best way in the season to kind of create that intimacy. You know, we've got some great segments coming up. Later on, we're going to hear a devotion from our good friend Bill Arbuckle, really around the importance of developing deep intimacy within our marriage. We're also going to hear a question from one of our listeners, and she wants to know how can she let her husband show love to her when she's really struggling to have any kind of love for herself. Mm, That's going to be a good one to talk through. But first, we had a fantastic conversation with our good friend, Dr. Julie Slattery, about what Christ-centered intimacy should look like. We all have ideas about what that what that is, but what should it look like? She's an author, speaker, and founder of Authentic Intimacy. So let's listen to the conversation we had with Julie. This is something I hear frequently is a woman sitting in my office saying, you know, he doesn't know me emotionally. I'm just mm-hmm. an, a, sex, a sex object. Yeah. And he's looking at her like he deer in the headlights like, I don't even know what you mean. Yeah. What do you say to that couple? Yeah, I think I would ask that woman to describe more of what she means and give examples. Mm-hmm. But I think, again, we have to look at the training that men have had within marriage, even again within a Christian standpoint, mm-hmm. the only thing they've been taught about sex is don't do it outside of your marriage. And once you get married, like your wife is going to be the fulfillment of all those things. Mm. And so in some ways, even from a church perspective, he's been trained to approach her as a sexual object. Mm. And that's why I think we need to look at those assumptions and 
really understand the deeper purpose of sex. And one of the things that, you know, again, I've discovered as I've worked with more men on this topic mm-hmm. is they are saying, wow, like, I never knew that this is what sex was supposed to be. Mm-hmm. It's not just the woman who wants to be deeply known. Mm-hmm. The man wants to be deeply known. He wants to have a safe space mm-hmm. to be honest with his emotions and his fears. Uh, but he's never been encouraged that that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. And so I would encourage that couple that her concern or objection right now is mm-hmm. not just for her sake, it's for his too. Yeah, it's so true. I love that because God did put that longing deep within each of us. Mm-hmm. And it, it doesn't specify, you know, that it's just women who want to be known. It's mm-hmm. we all long to be known. And I love what you're saying, because it is so true. And when I see that guy sitting in my office and his face is, I'm like, oh, I can help you. Yeah, I can help you learn how to connect with her emotionally. Mm-hmm. And that's exciting. Mm-hmm. Because what I end up seeing ultimately are these men who've been married for 35, 40 years, never feeling known and never mm-hmm. having a voice and never really sharing their heart. Mm-hmm. And there's something so magnificent for a man to say, I feel known for the first time in my life. Yeah. And what he's probably thinking as soon as those words come out of her mouth are, this is another way I'm failing. Correct. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know, I think exploring that, mm. because again, we've set this up as a good husband does X, Y, and Z mm-hmm. instead of that journey of even being able to say, wow, I feel so insecure Yeah, in yeah. even approaching what it is to know you emotionally. Yeah. Often those ideas of, a good wife does this or a good husband does this lead to destruction Mm -hmm. because often there's well-meaning people leading husbands, wives, young husbands, young wives down that road. Mm -hmm. And again, I love, you know, as you delve into um, the deeper meaning underneath so many things that we're taught, you know, what is really true and especially for our marriage in this season. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm sitting here is just thinking about Aaron, our own relationship in our own sexual relationship and just you know, for me i'm sitting here thinking yeah but as i think about our relationship it's easy for me to like you guys were talking about to bifurcate it like that's just you know that that's over here and then we've got all these other things that we do versus a, a more integrated mm-hmm. approach. So for me, it seems like it's a part of our mm-hmm. relationship, a mm-hmm. part of our marriage mm-hmm. versus right. this, as you're talking to more of the, of a holistic or integrated part of the, our journey. How does it that, just feels how does more that like feel? A, like just even hear that. Yeah. It, well, that's why I was, I was thinking about it. I was trying to put it into more of a word picture. Like as I'm thinking about a journey that it feels more like a, a destination that, you know, as we're out, you know, on a boat cruising around life, well, every once in a while, you know, however often we're going to pull into this port and experience <laughs> that amazing thing. And then we just keep on, take the boat out and go, you know, life, the rest of life happens. Mm-hmm. So it just, it feels more disconnected in the sense of, it, yeah, it feels mm-hmm. more like a destination, like a, a fun Excursion. If we're on a cruise, that mm-hmm. that versus just a, a all part of it, mm-hmm. and I don't know where that's come from. Mm-hmm. So now I'm starting to process. Going, gosh, I hope I haven't shared, overshared here. Well, what I'm wondering is because I feel like on a day to day basis, 
that we experience a lot of intimacy yes, very much with so. each other. And it's yeah. different types of intimacy. And that's what I, I it makes me excited. Yeah. Like to go, you know what, it doesn't matter if, you know, we're having sex two, three, four times a week, whatever. And we are right. Come on. <laughs> we are experiencing this depth of intimacy yeah. that uh, we get to experience with each other on this journey. Yeah. yeah. But do you hear uh, um, that's what I guess I'm curious going in what I saying is that normal? Is there an issue with that? You know, versus should it feel more just a everyday part of our relationship versus a I mean that's a fun excursion that we get to yeah. get to go on on this journey that sure. we're on if if our marriage is like being on a cruise ship, mm-hmm. let's say. I, I like that word picture. You know, as you describe that, Greg, I think it's both and hmm. so Sex is also this kind of retreat that you get to have together where you get away from the worries of the day and the mm-hmm. stress of the kids and everything else. And you're, you just say, this is our time to celebrate. It's our time to play together. You even look at the chemicals and just the hormones that accompany sex with the dopamine and endorphins and the oxytocin. It is like we get this boost of bonding and pleasure together that helps us kind of re-enter the fray of life with a stronger sense of of us. And that's a good thing. And so that's not all bad. But I would say that particularly when sex is a struggle, if there's no integration of who we are the rest of the time Mm -hmm. with with that excursion, if it feels totally disconnected, Then that's where it's like okay, that's that's not really healthy, uh, and there are couples where who they are in the bedroom is completely different from the flavor of their relationship as a whole. Mm-hmm. And I would say, okay, well, why is that? Like, is it we just become these two different people? Is it fantasy acting out of the past? Is it dissociation? You know, the other thing I would say is, and this freaks people out, but is your spiritual journey integrated with the sexual piece of it too? Like, do you feel like together as a couple you can pray about your sex life Hmm. and you can grieve together and rejoice together and all of it and that you learn God's perspective of sex or does it again feel like we take a time out from God to go be sexual Hmm. and then we come back and now we're spiritual again. You know, Julie has such amazing, such deep wisdom. I love mm-hmm. just her perspective on really helping us understand the connection between our, our spiritual relationship and our sexual relationship. And mm-hmm. th- those aren't mutually exclusive. Yeah, I love that last statement. Or does it feel again like we take time out from God to be sexual and then we come back and we're spiritual again? Yeah. Like, wow, you really think about that. I mean, I don't think that we think about that when Mm -hmm. we engage in sex, but that it's not this separate entity that we're walking away from this component of ourselves. And it's, you know, it doesn't surprise me that these integrate so beautifully because God created sex and created us on purpose. Um, to experience pleasure in yeah. sex. Well, and she even thinking about an earlier statement that she made that really stood out to me is when she was saying that men are sometimes raised to believe that a woman is there for their pleasure. So it, it's, mm-hmm. in other words, we're objectifying 
and our I, wife. I will tell you that women so react to if they pick up on any whiff of my husband is thinking that I'm here for his pleasure. Yeah. And I, I don't know, and you maybe can speak into this, Greg, for men, that I don't know that they realize that that's actually what's being said when they're so honed in on just sex. And I know that typically that comes from something deeper as far as I feel connected to you when we're having sex or I feel rejected when we're not having sex. So what do you say? Because I know for a woman, that's the last thing. She wants to be fully known for all the aspects that she brings to the table, not just the sexual aspect. Yeah, I think... You know, I, I think it's easy for guys to bifurcate mm-hmm. different parts of our of our life. In other words, to compartmentalize them, treat kind of each thing mm-hmm. separately, individually, very tunneled vision on one thing. So I know that for me, it's easy just to think about, okay, I want to be intimate with Aaron that way. I want to experience that sexual relationship, and that's all I'm thinking about. Mm-hmm. Versus, I think if we objectify our spouse, I think what it does is it disregards that whole person. Mm-hmm. So beyond physically, I mean, there's mentally, emotionally, spiritually, there's all these different parts. But just that idea of objectifying each other, you know, we talk a lot about how a guy might do that, but but I think that happens though for both. And I was kind of thinking about that. I mean, it's easy to define objectifying sort of that reducing them to a sexual object, which can happen. Yes. And and you hear about that within your counseling. But what what you know, what if we're reducing that person just to a provider? Mm-hmm. You know, it's it could be easy to focus on is my spouse out there earning money, providing the or even status the status that, yeah, that totally. they bring. You know, my husband is this or my husband is that, because I know that men will often fear that that's all they're good for. Like, I just bring the paycheck home. She doesn't really like me or want to be my friend. Um, So it's interesting because both of those ends of that spectrum, um, being objectified as a sexual object or being just a provider, both lead to to disconnection. Yeah, even I was thinking about it, it would be easy to see our spouse let's say that you know for that season that you you were really at home with our kids our kids were young mm-hmm. and it'd be easy then just to see you as that and i never would ever say this but <laughs> almost like this domestic servant or this caregiver like that's your role you're taking care of our kids you're taking yeah that makes care my skin home. crawl i, know, that's I mean why. i loved being a caregiver to my children but if you were seeing that's me just saw, as that right? That takes away so much of who I really was, even in that season. And so it's being so careful that we don't place our spouses in those roles or those we don't label them as this. But I think what happens more often is that we do that without even realizing right. it. We're not even saying it. Like, I can't imagine you coming home in that season and going, you're never, just the babysitter. No. And thanks for babysitting the kids today or taking care of the children today. But I probably communicated that But yes, that there were many messages ways. because yeah. I remember feeling like, does he think I'm the maid? Like, does he not see there's dishes in the sink? <laughs> and I mean, I can go do the dishes or he could because he can see him or, you know, someone's melting down. It's not my job to, mm-hmm. I mean, I can absolutely do that, but I've got a, I think we all long to know our spouse is with us in just the day-to-day grind of life. Yeah. I think a powerful 
question to ask your spouse. And we'd encourage you have, have this conversation to where you're basically saying, are there areas within our marriage that, that maybe you feel alone? Mm-hmm. Because I think those areas that we feel alone maybe are ways and could be part of that objectifying, like mm-hmm. I see you as that caregiver, I see you as that mm-hmm. provider, or I, or I see you as that that sexual object, whatever it might mm-hmm. be. Well, where are areas that that maybe you feel objectified? And I know mm-hmm. that that's a that's a loaded word, and that yes. that word alone has a lot of baggage. And I'd be like, well, I don't know, I'm not objectifying you. Well, and I don't see you as a sexual right. object, you know. Right. But when you say that out loud. It just kind of you you begin realizing, whoa, how am I sending those messages? Yeah. What am I doing to send those messages? Yeah. So maybe the safer way is really are there areas within our marriage that you feel alone? Yeah. In uh, like that season when when you were at home, it could have been, you know, a place where you were going, yeah, I really I feel alone here. And if I'm willing to listen and not defend, because uh-huh. that that'd be the easy. But oh, well, I mean, hey, I'm working full time outside that. Yeah. I think that's how it went I, the majority so if, of the yeah, time. So if, if we're if we <laughs> kind of go, okay, I'm not going to go there, but I really do want to hear mm-hmm. and listen and and try to understand that care. Well, and just be brave. Ask yeah. that question. Ask your wife. Ask your husband. Where do you feel alone? Or even where do you feel misunderstood? I think it's all all helpful questions. It takes courage to do that. And so often when I want to ask a question like that, and there's part of me that does and part of me that really doesn't, I'll just ask the Lord, give me that courage to walk in there and ask this question. Yeah, and we would love to hear how that conversation goes. So mm-hmm. don't forget, you can always go to our webpage and just click the leave a voicemail. So mm-hmm. let us know how that conversation yeah, we'd love went. To hear and maybe from that you. leads to another question that you can ask because, again, we love to hear your questions. You know, we have Julie's book here at the ministry, and we'd love to send you that for a gift of any amount. It's called God's Sex in Your Marriage. You know, it's really because of your financial support that we're able to do this podcast. So please donate and we'll send you that book, Julie's book, God's Sex in Your Marriage. Yep. And all the details will be in the show notes. She's one of America's best kept secrets, Agent 355. She was part of the culprit ring, George Washington's top secret spy network. And during the Revolutionary War, Agent 355 exposed the biggest twist in American history, General Benedict Arnold's defection to the British Army. We know that Agent 355 was arrested after revealing Benedict Arnold's plans, and then she was transported to a prison ship. And that's where her story ends. She died on board. Or did she? Well, even George Washington didn't know the names of all his spies, and Agent 355 is only mentioned once in secret letters. Was she part of the Culper Ring, or just a contact? Well, historians have identified some likely candidates, but Agent 355's identity remains one of America's best-kept secrets. And secrets have their place. Some things need to be protected. But when it comes to marriage, secrets can destroy a relationship. Well, today, Greg and Aaron are talking about intimacy. And intimacy is the opposite of secrecy. You might think of intimacy as a code word for sex, but there's much, much more. Intimacy is an open look into the deepest places of your heart. Sound risky? It is. 
How do you do it? Well, one really powerful way is to pray with your spouse. So what? Couples who pray together stay together? Well, yeah, there's a lot of truth behind that simple statement. Research shows that prayer not only helps you and your spouse deal with life's challenges, it creates spiritual intimacy. Jesus told us in Matthew 18:20, where two or three are gathered in my name, I am there. And with Christ in the middle, you and your spouse are free to share your deepest fears and fondest dreams. So leave secrets and secret agents to the battlefield. Your spouse is your ally. Keep investing in that relationship. There's no better way than prayer. Oh, Bill is always so awesome. He's our colleague and our friend and just always has such deep insights. And, you know, you think about it, Greg, often when we think about intimacy, like we've been talking about, we think about solely physical intimacy. But, you know, what about all the other types of intimacy a couple experiences? You know, for me, one of the intimacies that I love so much is emotional intimacy. And I know Greg smiles I, I, because yeah. I never would have thought you'd said that. Yeah, one. he's like, yeah, I knew <laughs> my favorite thing, like sit at a coffee shop, you know, across the table from each other, just talking deep about something. And, you know, I love that. I feel so close to you when we do something like that. Yeah. And I know for you, you have the desire to have emotional intimacy, but not in the same way that I mm-hmm. do. No, I mean, I, I want to be known, certainly, by you. And that, and that's the beauty of going beyond physical intimacy. There's emotional intimacy, you know, intellectual intimacy. I mean, this is when, you know, you you know engage in meaningful conversations. Maybe you're sharing ideas. Or research. Yeah, research. I love I mean, research, all too. That. And Feelings you know, and a, research. Yeah. Pick a safer topic that you can debate. You don't have to get all hardcore political but just, I mean, the, again, any of those mm-hmm. types of conversations can lead to other deeper you know, moments of connection mm-hmm. and intimacy. I just think what's always important to remember is that deep intimacy involves really being vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And for people to be vulnerable, to for, for me to let you in, Aaron, to really see me, to hear my thoughts, to hear my emotions spiritually to go to that place Mm -hmm. that I've got to feel safe. Mm -hmm. And so maybe for you, you've got to start with going, boy, how safe, you know, do you feel within our relationship? Do you feel like you can open up, share your heart and that that I'm going to, you know, accept you and love Mm -hmm. you and really make sure that I'm protecting those vulnerable parts. And and as you share them, Mm -hmm. because when we don't think our spouse recognizes our value or doesn't like us or accept who we are. Um, I just recently heard a young man say, you know, she doesn't like my personality. Mm -hmm. And what do we do? We disengage and then we put up protective barriers to keep us from engaging in a vulnerable way. And I loved just recently having a conversation with a couple of, is that true? Does she really not like your personality? Because we start making these assumptions and being able to engage in that conversation of, you know what? No, it really isn't your personality. It's when this happens, it causes me to feel unsafe. So I disengage too. So it's just exploring that what is keeping you from feeling safe 
And if it's something your spouse is doing, they may or may not know they're doing it and or even the message that they're sending. So bringing it up is is takes courage, but it's important. Yeah. So do that. Be brave enough, courageous enough to say zero to 10, you know, how safe do you feel with me to really be able to to open up and to share your heart mm-hmm. with me mm-hmm. and, and be willing to listen. Don't debate the number. You know, this isn't a pass or fail, mm-hmm. but boy, what, what a great source of information because the safer you feel with each other, the more likely you're going to be vulnerable. And then you have a whole bunch of different ways to create that intimacy and connection mm-hmm. that we all long for. Well, now we're going to move to our weekly Q&A. And this is the part of the show where we answer your questions, your burning questions about marriage. So send us your questions. This is how we can best connect with you and hear from you. We want to engage with you. So go to crazylittlethingcalledmarriage.com and click the button. It's on the side of the show page to leave us a voicemail. And if it gets answered on the show... We're going to send you a copy of our book, Crazy Little Thing Called Marriage, 12 Secrets to a Lifelong Romance, at no charge as our way of saying thank you for listening and reaching out to us. Yeah, today's question comes from Micah. Let's listen to the voicemail that she sent in. Hi, uh, my name is Micah. Um, My question is pertaining to how do I allow my husband to love me when Sometimes I don't love myself. I have always struggled with um, body image insecurities for pretty much my whole adult life. And my husband loves me. And sometimes, like when he tells me that, a part of me doesn't allow myself to believe it. How do I accept his love for me? I guess is my question. How can I accept it? Mm, And in essence, Micah, you're asking. How do I accept my spouse's love when I don't love myself? And honestly, that that breaks my heart because, you know, at some season in life, all of us have been there to where we're not quite sure what's true about us. And what I love is that in those seasons, we can wrestle through those feelings and those experiences we've had and to pursue greater healing, knowing that God is our truth. And we can always go to him and go, God, what do you see is is good about me? What? How did you create me in a unique way that I have value that doesn't change based on my inability to see it or my spouse's inability to see it or anyone's inability to see it? The value is still there. Yeah, and I remember here one time in our marriage, kind of a tough season that we went through Mm -hmm. where there was some stuff going on with me that I was feeling really bad about myself. Just I'd put on weight. I I was just feeling awful. And therefore, I I wasn't initiating Mm -hmm. just a a physical relationship. I I probably was was even not responding maybe to when you would initiate. Mm -hmm. And I know that it led you to kind of go, what what is going on here? Mm -hmm. What's he into? Is there someone else? I mean, Mm -hmm. it just started you down a a really difficult path. Mm -hmm. And thank goodness you brought that up. Mm -hmm. And we were able to talk. But I remember really in that season, the issue that was going on for me is that I just, I felt bad about myself. Mm-hmm. And so kind of like Micah, you were saying, I, it was really hard for me to even 
except, you know, when Aaron was initiating a physical relationship. Mm-hmm. And I know for me, probably one of the best things that, that I did was this whole idea of kind of practicing self-compassion. Mm. Uh, kind of sounds, you know, like psychobabble. But really trying to go, okay, what what's this about? What's going on for me? Not from a judgment, like what's wrong with me? Why am I such an idiot? Why am I not responding to my wife? But more of just going, I know there's something going on. What is that? And the more I kind of sat with that question and thought about it and just allowed myself, just be curious and not mm-hmm. judging what was going on for me, um, it really became clear that I was in graduate school I wasn't doing well and it made me feel failed. Mm. And then add in that I was gaining weight on top of that. It just, I, I felt so bad about me and f- just felt a lot of shame around that. I'm, I'm not doing well in school. I'm not, you know, I don't look great. It must not look great. That that, that was impacting just my desire to, you know, initiate anything sexual with you or even mm-hmm. respond when mm-hmm. you were doing that. Well, you were pretty shut down emotionally, yeah. too. And so there was a disconnect emotionally. And, you know, the good news is one of the first steps towards seeking freedom or healing is acknowledging yeah. that this is what's going on. And so, Micah, you are saying, you know, I currently do not love myself. And so I would say one of the first questions is to just sit with that and go, okay, so this is where I'm at right now. Doesn't mean I'm going to stay here, but I have an opportunity to explore that and to, you know, ponder that. Why do I not love myself? Is there something I've been through? Is there pain from my childhood? Is there something that was said to me about me? And so just exploring that, maybe even going in and seeing a licensed Christian counselor who can help you explore that. Um, so healing, sitting with someone and allowing them to to enter in with you, a safe person like a licensed Christian counselor is, is such a good option. Yeah, I was just, Aaron, with a premarital couple last night mm-hmm. doing all their premarital counseling in, and that was really the issue uh, for this young lady is that she grew up with parents who, who were really hard on her. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know they loved her, they loved the Lord, but they just the mm-hmm. things that they would say just mm-hmm. led her to hearing, you know, their feedback, their criticism mm-hmm. in a way to where she really started to feel so bad about herself. Mm-hmm. And so really mm-hmm. we spend a lot of the, our time just really challenging each one of those messages. Mm-hmm. And, and Michael, that's what you can do mm-hmm. is you're really being compassionate with yourself. In other words, you're you're being gentle, kind, going, okay, I know there's something going on. Here's maybe some of the messages is Aaron talked about that I bought into. Just don't judge that. Just let that be okay. But then take those to the Lord. Okay, God, so I, I feel worthless. That's the message I heard. Mm-hmm. What is true? And I love that his word, the scriptures are just full of mm-hmm. these powerful statements. You know, you were made in my image. You were fearfully and wonderfully created. You're my treasured possession. Jesus says you're my glorious inheritance. I mean, that's the stuff that's true. Mm-hmm. And that truth can battle those lies. Yeah. And going to your spouse and just letting him know, like, this is where I'm at. And it's hard for me to to receive your love right now. But will you enter into this with me as I'm going to seek healing and pursue healing and really explore 
Um, what has happened that has led me here? Because there's always another side. As you walk through that, God will bring healing as you seek him and pursue him. And there's something so healing about having your spouse journey with you. Well, thanks to Micah for your question and look out for your copy of Crazy Little Thing Called Marriage. And if you're listening today and you have a question for us, contact us. Go to crazylittlethingcalledmarriage.com and click the button on the side of the show page and leave us a voicemail. And maybe you'll hear your question on our podcast. Thank you for joining us for Crazy Little Thing Called Marriage. Understanding true intimacy can be so key to your relationship. So we hope we were able to give you some tools to grow stronger in that area of your marriage. You'll be sure to like, uh, listen, subscribe, wherever you listen to podcasts. We want to help you have a seat at the table every week as we help equip you and your spouse to have a lifelong and satisfying marriage. You know, we also want to help you grow spiritually, both as individuals and as a couple, so that you can invest in other couples to help them have strong marriages as well. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you again next week about this crazy little thing called marriage. Is your marriage holding on by a thread? For deep hurt, you need deep healing that only comes from the Lord. And you'll find it at a Focus on the Family Hope Restored Intensive in Michigan. Our licensed Christian counselors will help you and your spouse get to the root of your issues in just three to five days. And it works. 80% of the couples are still married two years after attending. Learn more at HopeRestored.com and talk with a trusted advisor. That's HopeRestored.com.